I'm so glad. For me too. <laughs> um, okay, so we were kind of in the middle of this idea, which is that... Um, Last time you were talking about the 12 and the 12, right. and then there were 13. Right, that they correspond, and that's expanding, looking like in the way that bracha does, looking at what already is and expanding that outward for bracha. But then, just at the very end, I mentioned this idea that this bracha that we're talking about, which is atachonin la'adam da'as, has 17 words in it, which is the gematria of tov, of good, and that wisdom is the root of all which is good. Um, so that... Let's see. So related to that, I see that went out of order a little bit. Okay. Oh, because we did talk about this with the Kohen. The Chachma was needed to make the clothing for the Kohen Gadol. And the purpose of the clothing of the Kohen Gadol, meaning what does the wisdom do? It creates this clothing that then allows the Kohen to be a Kohen, meaning one who serves. And that this service of Hashem's will is the root of all tov. That's this idea of wi- that it, what makes it happen that way is wisdom. Sort of like chachmas nashim barzabesa. The wisdom of the woman builds her home. Okay, so there's this idea that comes in a few ways. When we understand wisdom as being from Hashem, and this is the root of all good, I'm trying to remember, was it in this year where we said a similar idea where the first thing in creation is or, is light, which is also always corresponds with wisdom? Is that here that I said that? don't remember. Um, and this unfolding into everything in creation, this is the source of all that is good, this ketov, right? The first good is the light. Um, and that Hashem filled the workers with the chachma, filled their hearts with chachma, in order that they could then, good morning, in order that they could create the clothing which allows him to fulfill the will of Hashem. Similarly, I'm just looking to, I'm sorry, I don't have like, because this was the prior week. Okay. So I'm like forgetting where the pages are, where I have each thing. Um, We think of Chachma as the source of all good. There is this, it's not Chachma that stands by itself. Chachma means knowledge. So, on the one hand, we use it as a big praise if a person has Chachma. And on the other hand, we always talk about how there are things that build upon it. There's Das, and there's Bina, and that these are, are almost seem to be higher levels because we have put the effort into acquiring them, the das through the knowledge and the familiarity and experience and the bina of connecting different ideas to get some new idea that maybe we haven't known before, but that's based on the chachma that we got. But there's a sort of a foundation with the chachma. Rav Hirsch, this is, this is based on Rav Hirsch, 
on Michelet, but he didn't write a full commentary to Michelet. So it's like little bits of things. So when he's describing Chachma, he says, let's say I learn about a mitzvah. In this case, the example he gives is the prohibition of lo sachmod, thou shalt not covet. Okay, so you learn, so you read in the Torah that Hashem said lo sachmod. Now I have a new piece of Chachma. I, I have a piece of knowledge which is defined as knowledge of Hashem's will, what Hashem has told us. So the more I know of that, the more Chachma I have. That's Chachma, which is very interesting because I don't know how much we think about it that if I read one more sentence in a parsha or in a book about Torah, I have more Chachma. <laughs> it's like almost, almost too easy, <laughs> right? Okay. No, he, he means it. Okay, now, let's say I want to think about it more deeply, right? What are the motives? What would cause somebody to feel that way? What are the consequences? What bad things happen if you do it? What are the rules? Um, how does it damage a person over time or damage a society over time? So then I might be using Bina, meaning I take the piece of information that I'm given and then look around at the society or my own experiences around me and start connecting them together and learn something new from that. So that might be Bina. And then, what if I look into myself and I start saying, so what does that actually feel like when it happens? What does Los Asmo look like in me? What triggers a feeling that might get close to Let's say a violation, a violation with losachmod usually requires an action, fortunately. But what would trigger those kinds of feelings inside of me? Then that might be das. Now I've, I've started with the chachma, and on top of it layered the bina, and on top of that layered das, to understand what it actually feels like in practice. And he says there's actually higher, there are even higher levels. Uh, uh, higher he doesn't say. But let's say that I decide I really have to be careful because this is God's will, um, and it's forbidden. So that's enough. Okay, that, that's great. Let's say I feel like that's not enough. I have an issue with Los Achmod. I find it difficult. Okay, so hopefully Los Achmod is not the one we have trouble with, but we all have our things. We're like, we know you're not allowed, and yet... Maybe we do it, or maybe we have to struggle, or every time it's a new struggle, or whatever it is. So he says, maybe I need to come up with a plan, because it's not enough just to say it's forbidden for me. Maybe I need to avoid things. I need to make siagim. I need to make boundaries for myself that are farther away than the natural boundaries of the mitzvah. So I have to... Um, I have to decide that, I don't know, whatever, if I go into the mall, I'm going to start coveting, right? It's a really bad example because I'm not sure that's what it applies to. Those are things that are for sale. <laughs> okay, if I hang around with certain, in a certain neighborhood, with a certain crowd, then I start wanting to have all these things that are not meant for me, okay? So maybe I need to spend my time somewhere else. But are you saying that... Um... I mean, this is just the somebody, example he gives of Los Achmod. We're not okay, talking about I, Los Achmod. But are you, are you saying that there's something in the Torah that gives us the, the idea of making these 
rules for ourselves. Like yes, that's also true. But that's not that's even. not the topic. The topic is oh, okay. these different words. He's kind of putting into practice examples of how we talk about Chachma and Bina and Das and how they would yeah. be different in actual play, like when you're using them. So the Chachma is, Hashem said, you shouldn't covet. That's Chachma. That's knowledge of God's word. The Bina is understanding. So what does that look like and how does that happen and then the das would be what is that like in experience hopefully just thinking about what goes on inside your mind but understanding what are the feelings what are the actions that go to that what are the triggers that go to that what is you can see it in other people but especially if you can feel it inside yourself then you have something that's das that's a more intimate felt experience and then from there if it happens to be that it's not enough just knowing it's forbidden and having thought about it through bina and those things but now a person realizes they need to have more of a strategy. A person sometimes needs a strategy. That's to say, well, I'm going to keep myself away from the edge of the precipice because I'm going to be wearing roller skates and that's too dangerous, so I need to move farther back, right? Or a person might say, I need to come up with something that I can do when I have that feeling that will distract me or take me to somewhere else or remind me, maybe I'm going to learn a certain safer, I'm going to call a certain friend, I'm going to eat ice cream. Probably not the best coping mechanism, but at least it's not us, or, right? <laughs> Whatever it is that's a conscious strategy that will keep me away from doing something that I know is wrong and that I'm determined not to violate. Okay, it could be the other way. It could be that I want to do something. Another kind of strategy that it gives an example of is saying there might be something, maybe my self-control is the issue here. So I really don't want to do it, but I really have a problem with self-control. So maybe I just need to distance myself from that mitzvah. But if the self-control is fundamentally weak, then that's going to also not be able to hold. So maybe what I need to do is develop some exercises in self-control. I would tell myself I will eat anything I want but not chocolate chips or I will eat anything but not this or I will go places but I won't go there. Not even because that thing is, is remotely forbidden but simply in order to develop the muscle of self-discipline and self-control. So that would be called tachbulos. I assume this is referring to machshavos be'etzatikon, thoughts or plans you establish with Eitzah, with good advice. But to do war, you have to use Tachbulos. Tachbulos means strategies. And Is that it, with a Tess or a, a Tachbulos? With a Taf. Tachbulos. Taf and then a Ches. And it means strategies, but it's also kind of like the word rope, meaning something that you might tie in knots. So it's a complicated strategy. Tachbulos means they're like complicated strategies. It's not just like, okay, here's like the simple road to doing it. The point over here is maybe the simple road is not going to work for this situation. Would it be ideal? Yes, but that's not the reality I'm dealing with. I'm going to have to do something kind of complicated and go through multiple steps and look like I'm going the wrong direction when I'm really going the right direction. And you get these complicated kinds of strategies that a person might have to do, and that's tachbulos. In the same way you might have to do a complicated plan to execute an attack against an enemy. And in this way, you form the different parts of a person's character. Okay. Now, what I found fascinating about this particular example is when you get right down to it, 
all of it is flowing out from the Chachma. Meaning, it all starts with Hashem giving us Chachma, and then we then it's what we pick it up and do with it. Do we come and study it? Do we, do we think about it more deeply? <coughs> do we think about how it affects ourselves and our lives? And then how determined are we to implement it? But all of this is coming out from Hashem giving Chachma and us receiving Chachma, you know, taking it. Okay, so I want to come back this about the crea- building, Vasisa, making, the holy clothing for Aaron, your brother, as a covet and a tiferes, a glory. That's where they got the name of the seminary, right? Speak. That was like very non-profound thought that I had the first time I read the Baza. Speak to all those who are wise of heart, whom I have filled with a spirit of wisdom. So even even without learning how the Mepharshim explained the Pasuk, you can kind of hear that on the one hand, this is a quality they have, they're chachme lev, they have wisdom in their hearts, and on the other hand, it's asher milesiv ruach chachma. I have filled each of those people with a spirit of chachma, because that chachma is where all of the good begins. And where it begins is at this point where Hashem is giving chachma and we are letting it in, basically, opening up to it. And with this, va'asu as big day Aaron With this, you make the clothing of Aaron to sanctify him, to dedicate him, so that he is in service to me. So the kliyakar over here says like this. Sorry. He says, "Why does the pasuk? What what is Moshe supposed to say to the chachme lev?" I mean, presumably it would be to tell them God's will. But Hashem then goes on to say that I will fill, I, Hashem, am filling their hearts with the Chachma. So then, what's the role of Moshe? If Moshe's role is to give over God's word, that's the giving of the Chachma. But then Hashem says, that I will fill him with the spirit of Chachma. So that sounds like it's a different path. Okay. So he says, Hizkir gam kan shnei There are two um, direct addresses. The atat daber. You should speak. kiblu min Moshe. All the people who are described as chachmei lev, wise in their hearts, they received this atzilos, this knowledge of the nearness of God, through Moshe. He is the channel of this. This is something we might not have known. Because you will speak to them, this is how it happens. Elsewhere also, Hashem says, you will bring the nearness of spirit to the people. And similarly here, all who are going to do this work of the Mishkan or of the making of the clothes for the Kohanim, who are all Bitzel Kel, right, like Bitzalel in the shadow of God, Kiblu Shefa HaChachma Moshe. 
But the shefa, the flowing, the opening of that pipeline that all of the chachma is coming through is all by means of Moshe. Just like a kind of an intru- astonishing concept. This idea that all, all this chachma, him, so, all this yeah. ch- and nonetheless, we get the Torah through Moshe. Okay. We get the Torah through Moshe. I'm trying to think, I, in my mind, there's one example, and I don't know if it's true, so I'm not going to say it. I'm trying to think what we learn, if anything, from all of our avos that we don't get through Moshe. Because if you think about it, even the Parshias of Bracious, we still got the Parshas from Moshe. Meaning, we may have a Masorah that predates Moshe, which we know there is. Well, there is a Masorah that predates Moshe, but it all becomes compiled into Moshe's giving over of the Torah. So, difficult to say. Okay. You know, another name for Moshe is Tuvia, the good of God, the goodness of God. And similarly, the people all received Ruach HaKodesh that they received sort of through the influence of Moshe. And so Hashem is saying that, for example, with the Ruach HaKodesh, that Moshe needs to allow his Chachma to spill over and affect the judges, let's say, of the Jewish people. And in this case of our Pasuk, you should speak to all the Chachme Lev. Why? If Hashem's going to fill them with Chachma, why should Moshe speak to them? And it doesn't say what he should say to them. It just says, go talk to them. Because just by going and connecting with them and speaking with them, this will allow them to receive this nearness of light, and he called or hasechel, illumination of the mind, illumination of the intellect, by you coming close to them. That God's light will then shine into them. Which is why he says at the end of the whole construction of the Mishkan, it says, and Moshe completed doing all the malacha. So we've, had, we've come across that before, and we've talked about different explanations, right? Because he commanded it, because he finished putting it together, he assembled it, right? Kleaker is giving a whole new idea. He's saying all the work was done through the wisdom of the workers, and the wisdom of the workers always spilling out from Moshe and into them. Was it Moshe who did all the work of the Mishkan? Of course, it was the Chachmei Lev who did the work of the Mishkan. But since Moshe is the one who becomes the, the channel's the wrong word, sort of like the circuit that connects, you know, he's like this uh, adapter that allows, that, that allows the light of the intellect to connect from Hashem to the people. So it's considered as if he did the work himself. And this is nonetheless described as Hashem filling them with Ruach Chachma, because Moshe is not the source of the wisdom. What Moshe does is act as some kind of adapter or transformer for the wisdom, and Hashem plugs it into him and from there out to the people. So Hashem says, it's even though, in truth, I am the one filling them with Chachma, ki Hashem yitain Chachma mipiv God is the one who gives Chachma from, through his words, mikomakom, nonetheless, the route that I'm going to send it is by way of you. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it is all called in your name. Ata Tadaber, you should speak to them. This is this similar idea. In other words, the Chachma is the root of all the Tov, and it flows out, and it can be built into more things. 
whether it's into actions, into thoughts, into plans, into ideas, into inspiration. All of it comes from this, from this, <clears throat> excuse me, <coughs> from this concept that's really brought in this bracha. Because if we look more closely, you grant to man das, and you teach a person bina, it all is really coming from you. Please grant us from you the day of the bina, the haskel, all the knowledge which we might even, these levels, Deya, Bina, Haskell, we might say, we get some credit for. The Chachma, how could I get credit for Chachma? <laughs> it's objective truth. I can't. But to integrate it, to make it part of my internal experience, to connect to it, to think about it and find new connections about it, to make a strategy as to how to implement it, all the things I do with the Chachma, surely that's me. Mm-hmm. And yet we start off by saying, please, you grant it to me. Because I'm recognizing that even with that, it's not fully there. So what I wanted to do was look in Malachim. I see I didn't. I wonder if I forgot to print out. <laughs> I have the notes and the references and not the, not the, actual, not the actual sources right here today. I must have forgotten to pray. Yeah, I take pictures and then I send them to myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Oh, there's a new app called The Bear. Did you see this new app? And you can make lists. It's better than FGD Evergreen, or do you ever do any of those? Um, I've done some different list making. Yeah. No, so here it's probably just sitting in my email. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it doesn't need to get onto a list. It's there on the list, but I guess somehow I went past it and then didn't. Okay. Um, okay, so in Malachim Aleph, sorry, there's a lot of pages of commentary just over here, <clears throat> which is not entirely surprising. All right. Is all of this from Rab Hirsch, what you told us, or no. the, the second part of it about... <coughs> no, it's a few different bits. A different the last thing I just said was Kliakar. Okay, right. Okay. okay. Um, not the Kliakar I'm looking at now. That was the Kliakar on Torah. Kliakara Navi is a different person, much older than that. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, Malachim Aleph and Parrot Gimel. That's so annoying. But I'm glad I caught it. <laughs> Once in a while, you have. Oh, you came across that, right, in my Chomish, where it says, like, an Aleph and it's Parrot Base. Something like that. Like, you can really get thrown. One time I had a Ramban that was labeled an Orachayim, and I really spent probably five minutes trying to figure out where my commentary continued to from the previous page, and then I was like, no, the type is different, so <laughs> it, like, cued me in, like, it was just mislabeled, you know, because there's a lot of labeling. I think it's probably forgivable that there's a few mistakes, but it's really nice if you can catch it before you struggle with it. Okay, so what we have in Malachim Aleph Gimel is that um, David HaMelech dies, and he gives over the kingdom to his son Shlomo. And Shlomo loved Hashem, and he expressed that by going and following the ways and the rules of his father David. And he went to Givon to bring a korban there. I am skipping a bit. 
not just commentary. On one of the big bamos over there. And in Givon, Hashem appeared to Shlomo in a dream at night. And the Lord said to him, Sha'al ma'eten lach. Ask what I should give you. Which is interesting because you think the answer to that should be, what should you give me? <laughs> really, I mean, it's a funny way of saying it, but okay. Ask what I should give you. And Shlomo says, You did great kindness for my father David when he walked before you with MS and tzedakah and a straight heart, straightforward with you. And you guarded him with this great chesed, and you gave him a son who could sit on his throne after him. I mean, he's even expressing, instead of saying, thank you for making me king, right, he's expressing in terms of the merit of his father, which is, in fact, the correct derech heretz, right? Ve'ato Hashem elokai, now Hashem, my Lord, you have made me king. Me, your servant king, in place of my father David, and I am, I am young, and I am small. I think it's very interesting here. Wow, this really ties into that. I told you these two topics are actually more connected than I was thinking. Lo svavo. I don't know how to go out and come in, which would be weirder if not for the fact that it happened to be this morning. I was looking up some things on leadership, so. If you look at the topic of leadership, Moshe Rabbeinu spells it out clearly that they should have a leader who will go out before them and come in behind them, and come in before them, who will go in front of the people. I just want to make a note. It's kind of an interesting expression of feeling, I'm not yet qualified. I don't know how to do the job. That's the job of being a real leader. And your servant sits in the midst of your nation, who is your chosen people. There are a lot of people. They can't be counted because there's so many. Please give your servant, meaning please give me, lev shomea, a listening heart. It's an interesting thing to ask for. I really might just end up diverting off of this topic into the other topics, but we'll see. Maybe not. Maybe Shabbos. <laughs> Please give me a listening heart in order to judge the people, to understand the difference between good and bad, because who can judge your people? They're so... They're so he says kavid, which means weighty or significant or too heavy to carry, like too much. Somehow this job is too much to do on my own. But if you would give me a listening heart to understand more deeply what's going on with them, then that would, that would allow me to serve them properly. It's really what he's saying. I don't know how to be the correct kind of leader. I don't know how to say svavo. And I'm scared how I'm going to be able to judge them. That's the job. I have to know what's right and wrong for them to instruct them, and I don't know how to do that. So the cure, the thing I would need to be able to do the job right and be the king that they need would be to have a listening heart. 
Vayitav hadavar. They said wisdom is the root of all good. Vayitav hadavar. This thing was very good. Be'enei Hashem. In the eyes, God's, from God's perspective, that Shlomo asked for this thing. I don't think it means empathy. As I don't think so, but I'm kind of at um, at the beginning <laughs> of it. I don't think so. I don't think a listening heart means empathy. I think it might start with empathy as a tool for it, but I think that the heart that can listen and hear, I'll give you an example. It says about Mordechai in the Gemara, one of the names the Gemara uses for him is Mordechai Bilshan. So Bilshan <coughs> seems to mean he has um, he can blend all different languages, right? So Mordechai is one. There's some case, as a case described of a woman who came, and it's hard to tell if, if it was just that she didn't communicate well, or she didn't speak any one language very well. So it was kind of a pigeon mix of languages. And Mordechai was the one who understood what her real question was and answered her in such a way as to answer her actual question, even though it was very hard to understand what the question really was. I think that that's kind of the Lev Shomea. It's, it's possible because empathy would allow you to feel what someone expresses to you. So I think it's a starting place. The willingness to sort of look at another person and try and allow the clues they're giving through their body language or their facial expression or the sounds they're making and the words that they're saying and the situation you see around them to allow it to feel as if you're in the same situation and feel those feelings is one thing. But I think that the Lev Shomea requires something more, which is not only understanding what's going on with the person, but understanding what the person actually needs which they may not know, or at least may not have awareness of. It seems to me that that's what the Leif Shomea is, to understand what, because he actually does say, right, what is all of this about? If he'll have the Leif Shomea, then he'll be able to judge the people and understand Bain Tov what will be good and what would be bad. If you're going to tell people this is the judgment, you have to do that, you have to pay this amount or you have to give restitution, or no, he does not have to pay you back, right? So then you have to understand what will actually be good or bad for them, and most people are not so amazing at knowing what will be actually good or bad for them. And yet, to be the king, it doesn't mean that what he's going to say is what they'll want to hear, but what he hopes is that what he will be able to say will be what they need to hear, and that will be what's good for them. And one hopes that over time that would cause people to feel affection for him, right? Okay. So Hashem says to him, since you asked me for this thing, for the listening heart, and you didn't ask for a long life, and you didn't ask, good morning, mommy, and you didn't ask for wealth, and you didn't ask for me to kill all your enemies, which wouldn't seem so unreasonable. <laughs> and you asked, what you asked for was Havin Lishmoa Mishpat. This is interesting that Hashem rephrased. It's all roots that he used. It's all words that 
Shlomo used, but he kind of rephrased it. Havin lishmoa mishpat. Insight to hear justice. That seems to be... Okay, so I, th- I guess that would support what seems to be like what he was really asking for. He says, that's what you actually asked for. Excuse me. Hine asisi kidvarecha. I will do what you have said. Hine nosati lecha lev chacham venavon. Behold, I have given you a heart that is wise and insightful. Asher kamocha lo haya lefanecha, v'acharecha lo yakum kamocha. That up until now, before you, there never was anyone like you. And after you, no one else will come up like you in this area, right? Of a heart that is wise and insightful. And furthermore, those things which you did not ask, I will give to you. Mm. Wealth and honor that also will not be met by any other king in all these days. Okay. So this Kliyakar, not the Kliyakar on Chumash, says, it was very important for the Navi to explain to us two stages of Shlomo's request. What we heard was his reason and then what he asked for. The reason was he wants to be able to judge the people properly and do a good job as their leader. And therefore, what he asked for was wisdom, the listening heart, right? All these different ways of describing the wisdom, and they all have different implications. Why is that important? Because we could have thought, we could have thought, well, we would have been wrong about his motivations, but we could have thought this because it would have been legitimately possible for him to have asked for wisdom, <coughs> having in mind that his motivation was that by getting wisdom, he will also get wealth and his enemies will, be di- will die and he'll also have a longer life. Meaning a person could want wisdom for selfish reasons because when a person has wisdom, other things become much easier to acquire. It's a lot easier to get your enemies if you have better strategies and you're better at anticipating what they might do and think of more options about it, right? And it's a lot easier to live a long life if you have more wisdom because you will eat healthier and you will exercise better and you will take care of yourself in the ways that need to be taken care of. And it's easier to acquire wealth when a person has more wisdom. All these things are obviously under Hashem's control, right? But the, like a normal route for that would be that a person has intelligence or knowledge about something and uses it to be able to build up a business or in some way to acquire wealth. So the, the Navi did not want us to think that that was the motivation. Why? Because that really would be a legitimate motivation. Remember we said wisdom is the root of all that's good. So... If a person was only going to ask for one thing, you know, I think this is a sort of question we used to ask when I was little. Like in second grade, third grade, you get these like tough ethical questions that kids ask each other. 
You know what I'm talking about? Who do you love better, your mother or your father? If you had to pick one, right? There's always like the kids, you, know, you, you work in elementary schools all these years. You know what I'm talking about, right? This is a recess activity for first graders, second graders. If you had a superpower, you could only pick one superpower. Right, what would it be? And you have to pick one. It's always like you have to pick one. Right, okay. So one of them was, if you could ask for one wish, right, what would it be? So if you were sharp about it, you would say, ask for wisdom, because with the wisdom, then you can get all the other stuff, all right? So that, right, not only that, but if you would look at the outcome that Hashem said, well, I'm so pleased you asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you everything else, that might reinforce that mistake, okay? So what, what the Navi is coming to tell us is, you would be wrong if you thought that about Shlomo. Because he didn't ask for that reason. He asked for wisdom because he wasn't asking something for himself. The other things, he could have also asked them selflessly, right? What he was thinking was, what is the one thing that is most important to me being who I am, meaning me able to fulfill my mission, meaning me as a servant of Hashem? And since I have now become king, that means that the primary way I'm going to serve Hashem mm -hmm. is by being the king of the people. So it's how I'm going to react and interact with the nation. It's very interesting. You know, we don't, we don't think, uh, was it Winston Churchill who's quoted as saying, democracy is really awful, it's just better than any of the other options. That's not the correct quote, but it's something like that. Like, democracy is the worst form of government, except for all the other ones. Something like that, you know? Okay. Democracy is a really good form of government. There's a lot of really good things to say for it. So how come the Torah doesn't describe a perfect society that's a democracy? Right? It's a question. But it has to do with what we understand a king to be in Torah. A king, right, we've talked about this, Surara, domination, is the word lesharet, to serve. It's a life of service. The Kohen is regal, and yet he's a servant. So there's an approach here, and, and we, in democracies what you see is you'll see someone stand up and say, I am the servant of the people, I, you hope. <laughs> in the olden days, people would get up and say things like that, right? Your servant, you know, George Washington. Okay. But, but that's not really what the Torah says about a leader. In Torah, the king is the servant of Hashem. So his whole life is spent in service. And the service to Hashem is performed by serving the people. But he is not the servant of the people. He is the servant of God. So the honor, right, the kavod of a melech is Hashem's kavod. When we honor the king, we are honoring Hashem's kavod, which is why a king cannot be mochel on his kavod. A king can't say, you don't have to stand up for me when I come in the room. Why can't he say that? Because it's Hashem's honor. He is representing Hashem to the people and acting on behalf of Hashem to the people. So it, it makes him at least as much of a servant as if he thought he was a servant to the people. But it changes it. And that, that is consistent with Shlomo's approach. Because what Shlomo said was not, let me understand what the people are asking so I can do it for them. Right, that was sort of how Yeravam came to power. Like, 
right? Like Rehavam saying, oh, I'm going to listen to the young people and I'll hear what they want and I'll give them what they want and then the whole kingdom fell to pieces. Right? Mm-hmm. You ended up with two kingdoms for hundreds and hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Right? What Shlomo says is, let me understand the people properly so I can do what they need, what's good for them. That might not be what they asked for. <laughs> okay? Might not be what they asked for. But that's not a bad thing. And the people should not think that that's a bad thing. It could be a disappointment, right? But if, if everyone understands that the Melech is a representative of God and is a servant of God and must obey what Hashem tells him, then everyone's in good shape. <laughs> okay, so this is what he asked for. And the only thing that was on his mind was this request for wisdom. The rest of it was not on his mind. That's why Hashem says, since you asked for this thing and you didn't ask for the other things. It's not that secretly, like inside his mind, he was asking for those other things, but he didn't say it out loud. His mind wasn't there at all. He was only thinking, do I have all the tools I need? Right? We've talked about this in terms of understanding our mission and our role in life. Hashem gives us one way to figure out what he wants us to do is to figure out what we've got to work with. Whether it's our internal abilities or the resources he's given us or the time he's given us or the, right? Like, that's what we look at. And Shlomo seems to be looking inside himself and questioning maybe a lack of confidence, not in a bad way, in a good way. I'm not sure. I've got what I need to do this as well as it needs to be done or could be done. And Hashem says, yeah, I'm going to give it to you. But somehow it mattered that he asked for it. You know, Hashem could have just made him born the wisest man. What? Well, <laughs> he's obviously pretty sharp. He knew what to ask for. He was thinking deeply. He wasn't stupid. So he's already smart, but he had to ask for it. Isn't he? Hashem is saying, because you did not have in mind with your question to include all these other things, which really a person could feel would be included because wisdom helps add life to a person. Martha? Sorry. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah. And you didn't ask for wealth, even though wisdom can help a person to get control of more wealth. And you didn't ask for your enemies' lives. From this we understand you didn't ask, you didn't ask, you didn't ask. It's not telling us that he wanted those things but didn't ask for them explicitly. It's telling us that his intention was not any of those things. His intention was focused solely on a specific goal. And that specific goal was to the exclusion. It was not complicated by other foreign (laughs) contaminants. Uh, There was no selfishness at all. Which is, you know, if we we sort of are starting off learning about Shlomo Hamel, not that we are, but this is kind of a beginning of learning about Shlomo. And he lived a life of great wealth. And he writes some pretty interesting books, right? 
and all these things about him to understand what was at the root of everything was there was nothing, there was not the tiniest taint of selfishness in him. Everything he did, even when he made a mistake, which was rare, but everything he did was coming from a place of how can I serve Hashem by serving the people? What needs to be done? What will be in everyone's best interests? It was only this and no other objective. He says, this is the principle of whoever is acting truly for the sake of heaven and flees from, it means domination, but it means who who runs away, not from honor, because that's a different statement of Chazal, uh, who runs away from being the boss, being the boss chases after him. And Hashem wants people to have power who are exactly the people who don't want to have power. The people who say, I'm afraid I'm not qualified to do the job right, are the ones you want to have to do the job. (laughs) Right? Because (laughs) those people get it that what you need to do the job right doesn't come from you. So that gives a person an entire orientation that is selfless, that is not gaivadic. It's not look how amazing and wise and powerful and uh, long-lived and and enemy-conquering I am. But it's it's a humility, and it, I think, is part of the reason why he had to ask for it. Because by knowing I don't have this wisdom, and then having the wisdom be there then he can always recollect it wasn't me. When you know you can't be done in time for Shabbos and then somehow it happens, then you know Hashem is the one doing it, and not only this time, but every other time. Every time when I wasn't in a rush, or there wasn't some huge thing that happened, or there wasn't a bill that had to get paid, and, and somehow it, something happened and it worked out, that reminds you all the times when it goes smoothly. It's not really me. Right, it's Hashem. And that is the concept of this bracha, because there's almost nothing that's more intimately coming from inside of us than our knowledge and our wisdom and our understanding, and especially these bits that require our own efforts, the bina and the das and the haskel, right? Those are so easy for us to think, well, that's me doing it. And to understand if you look at the wisest person of all, he said, I'm not, I don't understand enough. <laughs> he said, I don't understand enough. And Hashem gave him the understanding. And that gave him an awareness. Presumably his whole life, he always would know that as much as everyone's going to praise him for his wisdom, he'll remember, I asked for it. It was a gift. And that's this word, chonein. Right, to give something, chonein means to give, but it means to give it freely, unearned. It's an unearned gift. Now that's funny, because das should be, like, you have to put in some experience to get to das. Chochma, okay, but das, and that's what it means. We look around and we recognize, no, it isn't that way. And that's, I mean, with Shlomo, it's even more striking, because Hashem said, what do you want? 
What should I give to you? Lecha, to you. And his definition of what he needed was all of Klai Yisrael, which I just was more struck by because of what we were learning last week. This idea of taking what we need for ourselves and then taking it again as a need for the whole Jewish people. Right, that like dual way of thinking about it is kind of a, there's an, a model of it over here where Hashem says, so what do you need? And Shlomo, into looking at what he needs, what he needs is something that all of Klal Yisrael will need. It's not, it's not for himself. It's exactly not for himself. And boy, does he get what he needed. Like he got what he asked for in a big, big way because he wasn't asking for himself, even though it was offered to him personally. He didn't ask for himself. It's this, it's a way of thinking about what's yourself, where yourself doesn't have to be selfish. When yourself is, you know, all of us are, can be like a little king in our way, right? Where yourself is actually a servant of Hashem, and there's an extent to which that then gets expressed out to other people, then what I need is what I need to do the job. And that doesn't serve me. That serves Hashem, possibly by serving other people. And that is a way of thinking about bakashos in general, I think, that that is useful to Shemona Esrei and is somewhat striking in that very first bracha of Shemona Esrei being the request for understanding and knowledge and then taking that and looking at that request in Shlomo, who is the epitome of someone who received knowledge and understanding and wisdom. And this is described as being judged in Hashem's eyes as Vayitav Hadavar Be'ene Hashem Kishaol Shlomo Es Hadavar Hazeh. This is Tov. That's Tov. That thing, that specific focus on Chachma. And Chachma that's not selfish. It's Chachma that's about knowing God's will. That's tov. That's what's called tov in the eyes of God. Vayar Elohim Esaor Kitov. That's called tov. And God gave Chachma to Shlomo, Vayechka Mikol Ha'adam. And he became wiser than all people. Hang on. There is. Let me do one more. Oh, here it is. It's out of order. Okay, one last point, which is something that has fascinated me for a while, but I haven't, I don't know so much about it, which is that Rav Yisrael Salanter talks about what it means, Gesundheit, what it means to be able to, it's sort of like have the lev shomea. What does it mean to be able to change and develop? What does it mean to develop habits and yet not have them become habitual? <laughs> or ritualized, let's say, right? Well, ritualized so that you don't pay, so they don't matter anymore. Because you could, some habits can develop almost incidentally. You're not really aware of it, right? When you're little and you get anxious and you bite your nails and like you're not really thinking about it and then someday you turn around and like you're biting your nails and like you're an older 
you're an adult and you're biting your nails and it says, here's this habit. It didn't have any special meaning to you. Sort of some kind of function. You didn't plan it. And then there are habits that you can plan. So you can habituate yourself to making your bed in the morning or to saying a bracha before you eat, right? But then how do you get to where you sit down and eat and you're eating and now you're like, did I say a bracha? Probably, because I always do, but I can't remember it because I wasn't thinking. Okay, so then you can have a habit that's a good habit, but it becomes so habitualized (laughs) that you no longer are thinking about it. It's only performed through habit, which is not a good thing. So how do you develop good habits? This is what I understood to be, um, and I don't have I don't have the source in Ravi Solsanter's writing, so I don't know. Like I haven't learned it more, but I think the question is, how do you develop habits without having them become without becoming so habituated to your habits that you lose the intention that was supposed to go into them? And he says the characteristics of that are chachmas hamasar, studying musar, limud hamasar, learning the musar. I think seems to be the emotional, like the repeating it over, reading something over and over again so that it sinks in more. So one is exposure to the chachma of the musar, actually, what does it say? But the limud of the musar is the, the internal learning of it, not just up in your head, moving it in like toward your heart. And then the maisa musar, the action that goes along with it. You probably know way more about this than I do because you're like a professional student of musar. And I just like heard this in a shir. Okay. <laughs> So there's a cycle over here. And the cycle could be described as sometimes as Chachma Bina Das, like in Nusach Svard, or what we would call maybe Deya Bina Haskel. Okay? It's a cycle of having the Chachma learning, and that affects your mind, and then going towards Bina and insight and in the heart. And then taking it into the Maise, the Haskell, which I think Rokersh describes the Haskell as... Um, Haskell means intellect, but I'm pretty sure Rokersh talks about the Haskell over here as where the intellect illuminates your actions. Let's see if I can find the Hirsch sitter. And I think we, we probably mentioned this a few weeks ago. It's just not fresh in my mind. Here. So for Deya Bina and Haskel, which is the second phrase in our bracha, Deya or Das denotes the true perception of the real nature of things and conditions. So he's kind of correlating that similar to the Chachma. Bina is the insight into the interrelationships of things gained by logical judgment. Haskel, practical wisdom, is proper application of what has thus been learned. So that reaches to the act the action, putting it into action. So it's a haskel is like um, informed action, let's say. And this is a cycle, meaning you never stop. You move from the dea to the bina to the haskel to the dea to the bina to the haskel. When that becomes your habit, then what you do is you cultivate habits that are not habitualized. Because there's always a new layer that you can add on to it. If something, once it becomes your routine in the Haskell zone, right? So then there's something more you can learn. And you learn that something more and then you find how you can cause it to affect your feelings. And then you implement that into action. And now you've gone around this spiral again and you've added a new layer to it. Okay, so I'm going to stop over here.
Um, and it's a shame we can meet next week. Probably next week will be the end of this bracha. Probably. <laughs> thank you. Okay, thank you. We want to direct it all to Hashem. We want to direct it all to Hashem. And I, I, it was very interesting. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, I daven mincha with seventh grade girls at the end of the day. And I pick them up from Mr. Littman's classroom. I don't pick them up. I go to Mr. Littman's classroom, and he goes to the boys' mincha, and I supervise them having the girls' mincha. So sometimes I get to see what they're busy closing up from when I come, which is always very cute. And they're always very enthusiastic and all hyped up. And yesterday they were really hyped up because it was talking about the election, and they were learning how to, you know, not only about the, the popular vote and the electoral vote, but also how to understand the different kinds of, I think like the polling predictions and how they, like how the different things all, inter I don't know, so the girls were all like totally wired. <laughs> and they were like, because it, this is also, you have to realize, it's like at 4.15 in the afternoon. So the first results are already rolling in from the East Coast, but it's totally undecided what's gonna happen on the West Coast. So there's a lot of excitement going on. And, and, and Mr. Littman says, now it's time to daven mincha. So you should each daven. And one girl shouts out that, you know, that Trump should win, that Clinton should win, because, you know, they're all, like, on different teams over here. And he says, you should daven that whoever wins, Hashem should give him the strength to do what's good for the country and good for our people. Oh, man. <laughs> that was a good lesson. I was, I was glad I was there in time to hear it. <laughs> so, um, you're talking about you know, how important it was that Hashem wanted to ask. Which is what we talked about with Shmonesse, right? The feeling of need leading to Thank the request. Thank you. Would you please tell my lady so, to come? Thank you. Thank you. about that in reference to Adam asking for rain. Mm. So, I'm wondering, do we analyze Adam's motivations? You know, like the... Why, why was he dominating the rain? Well, it says, the Rashi says that he's, the, what, what comes before asking for the rain is realizing it's good for the world. Which is exactly the same, it's exactly that. He's not saying, I want to get wet. Exactly. Or even, I want to eat. What did you say? It's really, here's what the world needs. Therefore, I think, yeah, I think it's exactly a parallel. I, I had in my mind a little bit because... It goes on, the Pasuk goes on to say, and I didn't read up to that Pasuk, partly because it's like 10 pages of commentary later. Thank you. Thank you. It was beautiful. Thank you very much. When I bless the children, I say, Kakma, Dot, Seko, Oh, wow. Wow, amazing. That's amazing. Oh, Hashem, it's beautiful. Oh, here you are. <laughs> I didn't see it. says, sorry, it's hard to find the verses because they're mixed in. I wrote down the quotes. That's what it is, but sometimes the pages stick together and then I don't realize. Thank mm you. -hmm. I hope to see you again soon. Yeah,
somewhere in this notebook I saw that I had I had written. I even mentioned it, but I didn't read it inside. Here. Oh, it's a few prokem later. That's why. And parakei. And God gave wisdom to Shlomo. And very great insight. The Rochav Lev and a heart wide enough, like, this, like the sand on the edge of the sea. Meaning, he said there are too many to count. How could you include all these people in your heart? Hashem gave him a heart big enough to hold all the people in it, which is like kind of awesome. But I was struck by the fact, awesome. What does it say? It says, wait a minute, where's the, hang on. That is not here. And then two verses later, sorry. Then it says, and his chachma increased, Shlomo's chachma increased more than the wisdom of all of the people who had come before him and more than all the wisdom that Egypt had developed. So sort of the ancient wisdom and the modern wisdom. Right? And he became wiser than all the man. And it is a little striking that Adam over there, right? The Kol Adam, all of the man, sort of all mankind, all, right? So, yeah, I think there, uh, well, or at least it's connecting it to that. So. And, and I think it probably is associated with that idea that his heart is big enough to include everybody. I mean, it, so his wisdom then becomes bigger than, it, it includes everybody, kind of, like, because so, something that's big enough to include is also bigger than all of them even put together, right? Because it's encompassing all of it. So you get that 12 plus 1, right? You get the, the identity that's somehow greater than all of that which it encompasses and Shlomo seems to have that with his wisdom with his heart that, that somehow that goes together and I wondered a little bit about that with Adam and Adam being the first man and so he also encompasses all the people who come after him and there's of course the eating from the tree of knowing between good and bad which is what Shlomo is concerned about <laughs> he's like concerned about that right so I, I feel like it has to be like very connected but yeah, this principle of bakasha, it's actually, I only came across it because we were talking about the chachma over here. But, but really, it's such a perfect model of the whole, everything we were talking about with Shona Esrei, about davening because we recognize a need. And then another level, which is recognizing a need that's inside oneself. And yet, that expands out to be a need of the whole Jewish people. And it's another angle on it, because really, when I talked about it, so I just said, well, if I need it, then other people might need it, you know, so can I include more than myself? Or maybe getting to where this is, is this what God's will is for people to have, you know? But, but Shlomo doesn't even, he looks into himself and his need, and he's experiencing his need only in terms of what it means to serve other people. Yeah. That's the need. It's nothing to do with what he wants mm -hmm. for himself in some kind of gain. It's only how he sees himself as able to, to be there for other people, which is like a... That's like another 
it's another level of chesed when you do chesed for somebody else because you see a need that's similar to your own. Right. That's one level of chesed. When you see a need in them that's completely different than your own. That's right. That's that's another. That's level like another, insight, level. another level. But to chesed. feel that, therefore, it's a need of it. Right. The, the thing he's lacking is what he could do to help the other one. Right. <clears throat> it's kind of a remarkable. Therefore, it's a need. Meaning, if I didn't need it for, sub, for service of Hashem or for service of the people, then it wouldn't be a need right. at all. It's an entirely different kind of understanding of need that also is a, like a much deeper way of understanding how we would relate to Shemona Esrei altogether, I think. So it's like quite, <laughs> quite an amazing... Yeah. Thank you.